the conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody exclusive. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Come on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yes, good match. No money's in the fucking business. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get the motorway. Hello and welcome to episode 214 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett, Jack Harper, Alex Jones, and we have Ashley Goff back with us. He was here for deadline day in the summer, coming off a 6-1 loss for United, so I thought, why not get him back on more favourable terms after scraping a nail-nail with Arsenal? (laughs) Plenty to get into this week. We've got the Super Bowl preview. Um, Not sure if... Jack or AJ will be tuning in. That's no dig, but if they drop off or off, and then we'll be bringing in shoots a bit later. Maybe Keenan as a uh, surprise, as he keeps telling people Bruce Arians is his boy. Don't know why, but uh, <laughs> apparently he is. So he may be joining us a lot later. News of the week: We're going to have some chat about Gareth Bale, Thomas Tuchel's first week. Thomas Tuchel, sorry, I've been taught that's the right way to say it. Thomas Tuchel's first week in charge. Still don't think they've spelt his name right. I've honestly, I came on the pod for guidance over how to say his name. I was going to go with you rather than AJ, but... I was going to say, let me decide. And then we can just go around. We'll just follow whatever you say. Jack's been learning German. (coughs) I swear, if it's the... For the U, there would be an umlaut over the U, and there's not. Right. The reason why it's Thomas Tuchel is because that's just how you pronounce... The U in German and CH is a K, so it is Tuchel. Christ. All right. There you go. That's probably mm. the nicest That's... thing he's going to be called by a Chelsea fan is his actual name. So. <laughs> and the most educational we've been on the pod. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah um, we do always reference um, the other Chelsea fan we know whose uh, name rhymes with uh, Wam Hoft. And. Uh, Jack can't possibly any, be any more critical than he is of uh, Tuchel, so it'll be interesting to see there. And he did tell me he's cranked out his trusty notepad, so he is sufficiently prepped for this. When we hear some pages getting to it, yeah. we know. <laughs> the notepad is got, <laughs> it's got a reputation. Uh, yeah, that notepad has brought people to tears before, so that's a story for another day. <laughs> uh, it's all in you... there as well. I, I reckon I should auction off the notepad. <laughs> Imagine, to see my imagine if you accidentally turn to the wrong page and start reading some math <laughs> about Thomas Tuchel. <laughs> I'll right. tell you what, Thomas Tuchel's in the line progressive transition game. Oh, hang on a minute, wrong page. <laughs> I mean, news of the week, we are in uh, February and just so happens the way uh, the news has come, we've got a bit of a sexy news of the week this week. So uh, 
if any of you want to give me some backing music, that wah, 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 wah. I can confirm I do not maybe. want to do that. Um, I mean, we'll get flagged if I put the actual music in. So you'll just have to play it in your head. Maybe some nice elevator music. We'll start off with uh, some non-sexy news of the week. Alaska plans screening changes after three Reich license plate causes uproar. Mm. <laughs> it's not good looking. Do that. Bizarre <laughs> <laughs> um, case at a petrol station in Bratislava. A woman stalled a robber by uh, giving him relief with her mouth until the police arrived. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that is a porno. That's not real. That is... <laughs> I'm sure I've seen something like that. That's what you, that's what you call thinking on your knees. Crikey, she's in a car, so hopefully not. They're covering so many categories there. She's a milf. She's a milf as well. We're, we're, we're ticking a lot of boxes. Um. Worker sacked for alleged masturbatory act loses discrimination claim. He claims he was actually just itching a rash. <laughs> so I did see this news um, pop up on Twitter. Um, when he says he was just uh, itching a rash, he was caught with his phone in one hand, his <laughs> trousers round his thighs, and holding himself in his other hand. So... <laughs> If it That's wasn't that, <laughs> he was very frantically uh, itchy. The only thing rash was his decision making there. <laughs> um, I mean, Jack's gone through a lot of jobs. So I don't know if. <laughs> what are you, are you implying? What if any, I'm not implying. I'm just asking. If any ended in similarly disgraceful manner. <laughs> well, I, a lot of them I work from home, so I, I imagine it's probably happens. Yes. It's probably well, happened on company time before. I just haven't been on the premises. That's <laughs> He's actually been paid to do it. Exactly. <laughs> He's never been sacked for it. Uh, man dies from extreme orgasm during visit with sex worker. The people that have the cash to spend on that kind of thing, that is probably the person you go to. If they're putting in that kind of graft. What did she do to him? We don't read past the headline, Alex. You don't you don't know what it is. That is discipline. Um couple accused of having sex on Myrtle Beach Ferris wheel charged with more indecent exposures. How horny do you have to be to be on a Ferris wheel? I think, you know what? <laughs> now is as good a time as any. This is going to take us back to a reference to Lille, isn't it? With the Ferris wheel there. I thought of it, <laughs> but I feel we've given that, we've given that plenty of coverage recently. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad. We weren't going to be taken on the podcast until Jack mentioned the Algerians. <laughs> Jack's trauma has just had airings on every other pod. <laughs> oh, I'd like to think in like an alternate universe, I am Liam Neeson. I just went to town. <laughs> Avenged well, of, all my... the, of all the films Keenan did declare, I'm not sure if he's a good actor after watching Take It. So. The point he made, it, I, the point he made, I listened to that part. And I thought he's actually got a very valid point. Here. It's just everyone would just if you said this out in public, then everyone would hound you before you'd even got the chance to make the point. Well, the last the last podcast for those that 
haven't heard it yet. We were talking about the longest films, the films that have felt the longest that we've done on the Movie Madness podcast. And TK, having done season one yourself and the Christmas specials, Keenan claiming Taken is one of the longest films he's ever had to watch. Uh, one hour 20. When we've wow. done 40 year old virgin, bridesmaids, Mad Max, to, to name but three. Yeah. He said he felt every minute of that one hour 20, which in literal thinking is still only an hour and 20, but I do know what he meant. I hope Sean said sex drive. He didn't, but. Um, <laughs> I get where he's mean, coming from a bit. It does feel a bit longer than, than an hour and 20, yeah. It doesn't feel the two and a half hours that other films have felt. Go on, we got through Judd Apatow films. Bridesmaids, as much as I enjoyed it, I do legitimately feel like two days passed while watching it. It felt like Has a anyone test else match, watched, didn't it? Well, I watched the latest Blair Witch at the cinema with Alex, which was quite traumatic, but there's a part where, where they go into the woods and like the sun has come up and down several times and the people on the other side like the day the sun hasn't come up and it was like that the the days were passing the sun just wasn't coming up when i was watching bridesmaids <laughs> i'm pretty sure i downloaded the extended cut for all of us as well so i did us no favors talking of that talking of that felt that viewing experience as well I like just coincidentally that night after we left the cinema. The do you remember the mist? How bloody thick it was! Like the yeah, mist. I remember was Joe beyond. saying he'll drop me at the end of the road. You absolutely. <laughs> uh, it was it was it was me who dropped you. It was me who dropped you <laughs> off okay. in the end. Yeah, you were in well, my car and the, they dropped me off at the end of the road. I remember you having to ring your mum to turn the light on for when you <laughs> <he> text. <laughs> I was, I was There's being, no shame I was in it. There's no shame. At, I was being mocked at work today because people were saying about being asymptomatic. And I was saying, look, if, if you know me, if I have COVID, I'm definitely going to know about it. There is no way I'm not going to be knowing about that. And I was saying before Christmas when I had food poisoning or whatever it was, um, there was a point where I messaged my mum saying, like, if you wake up in the middle of the night, can you please check I'm breathing? Because I genuinely don't think I'm going to make it. <laughs> you should have said, if you've I'll got COVID, we'll questions. all know about it. Not You won't know about it. We all will. Well, it depends if I'm uh, able to even use my phone. I might be one of them people that's completely wiped out by it. That would be my luck. <laughs> that Blair Witch film was one of them. I, I, I've never felt like my eyes are fully like locked on the screen like that, where I couldn't turn myself away. Uh, the old ten pin. Did you ever go in that little uh, simulator thing? It was like, almost like a black, yes, yes, like minivan thing. Yeah, that, that was unreal. That was. Yeah, agreed. That was hell. I remember once when I was, <laughs> I was young, I forgot to put the seatbelt on, and I was being flung all around the cabin. <laughs> it, it was weirdly like quite powerful. I, when I look back, I remember me and my brother thinking we'd hit the jackpot, and like we must have got about eight tries for. Or whatever, two, three pounds we'd put in. When I look back, my dad was probably just on the outside, just putting more money in. <laughs> yeah. so the magic has gone a bit there. I remember it was some of that as well. Sometimes like kids would stand on the outside watching. Yeah, it's like the, kid, like the kids' answer to dogging. Which considering everything's blacked out as well, there's really no benefit. But there we yeah, are. Yeah, I, I always used to feel really guilty as well because you'd put your money in to play on something, and like, they'd be stood there watching, and then you saw. Did you want to have a go nurse? 
And he's like, no, I've not got any money. <laughs> oh, and, no. and then you, and then you've got that horrible kind of, well, I do, so I'm going to have another round. <laughs> oh, you bastard. <laughs> and they just um, sit there, stand there and watch you. And you feel like, <laughs> such a bad guy. But... I'm, I'm no s- small piece now, but the, the point where I realised I was probably at my least fit, I was like, you might have to get a grip here, was playing the hoop sing at the arcade. And after the couple of minutes, I was like, I'm actually quite knackered here. <laughs> <laughs> my arms were hurting. I thought it's, it's time to try a word for yourself here. The best uh, one was when McDonald's after. <laughs> the best one at Tempin was like when you've gone to for like a children's party or something in like year six, and it gets towards the end of the night. Things are the attention spans kind of waned a little bit. All the kids are spread out across Tempin, and you get the reckless ones that spot five in that Tempi machine thing, and they just try and push each other into it so it knocks us all the 10 piece for that. And then as soon as the alarm goes off, you don't know where to run. As if some kind of person, some like 17-year-old is going to come up to you and just beat you up that works yeah, at 10 pin. You give, you give me some loose change in an arcade like that, you'd be set for hours. Have a great time in there. I'd continue mm. my unbeaten streak at air hockey. I reckon I'd beat you at air hockey. I reckon I'm, <laughs> balls on the table here. I many have said that, Jack, and many have fallen. <laughs> we'll have a game. I would be curious to know whether it is legit or just like the uh, rock, well, paper, the scissors, fact, undefeated the fact record. Sean, Sean has acknowledged that he tried in Paris. He tried smacking the puck away because he didn't want any more. <laughs> I can <laughs> believe that bit. All right, what other news have we got here? Ah, oh, one we've all seen this week, I'm sure. Bin Man loses job after kicking head off three-year-old boy's snowman. That, that happened in Hereford as well. That's, that's only around the corner. So I didn't good. see this. That's so good. The picture, absolutely... <laughs> the picture of the kid they've got to pose by some melted snow with a twig in it. <laughs> I can tell. You don't even need to age that kid. I can tell I'd ate that kid already. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, probably what? why he kicked the head off it. <laughs> What kind of jobs worth middle class cunt do you have to be to report a bin man for kicking something that's going to melt later in the day? Am I right in saying it was just on a pave? It was just on the pavement as well, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah, it was, like it in wasn't a garden. Pri- no, it, was, it wasn't on private property. So he's doing the bin round in the morning, and it is a proper. It, it's a tall snowman. We're talking a good five and a half, six foot snowman. That's a slog doing that in the and, snow and, as well. He has, and he's taking his head clean off. If you see a pile of snow like that and you're walking past, it's almost wrong to not boot it over. Uh, mate, I've done it. I, I was out on walking the dog when it last snowed properly. Jack, you've got a job to keep here, so don't incriminate yourself. <laughs> yeah. I was out walking the dog, and I rugby tackled a snowman just because it's fun. <laughs> someone, had, someone had left it, and I'd have thought, well, I'm having this. And it was as fun as it sounds. Probably a good time to mention now that um, we do have an interview coming out, I think will be Wednesday, in line with the Movie Madness podcast that Jack did on his lonesome today with Kick Gurry from Edge of Tomorrow, aka the Australian from Edge of Tomorrow, if that uh, helps narrow it down. I did see you you were flexing in that interview saying that uh, you do a bit of work for Budweiser in there. That was your little impressive thing, wasn't it? And he was suitably impressed. Yeah, because, I mean, it usually gets a kind of, oh, you work for a beer company, that's pretty cool. So I thought I'd drop it in there because Australians love beer and I thought I'd get, get me off on a good <laughs> guy. He was, he was suitably impressed. Um, 
four men get mouth ulcers after eating 30 kilograms of oranges at the airport to avoid paying extra baggage fee. <laughs> this is like a brilliant oh, episode of fucking hell. anything to clarify. That, that, oh god, those that's not going to do great on the toilet afterwards at all. <laughs> so, so literally at both ends, he's he's going to be in pain. It's, I, oh, at least they're in together. Why? Why Four do you need them. to eat them? Like, why not just throw them if you don't want to take them? You do get people who are very much. I'm not wasting this, and it's probably not going to do. <laughs> 30 kilograms. <laughs> Paid good money for this. <laughs> Imagine how much like, flights would stink if um, when people had to bin their aftershave or deodorant at the front of the airport, and they were like, right, <laughs> I'm not wasting this, and just sprayed like, the entire rest of the can on them or something. Might be nice on a uh, eight-hour flight if you've got someone stinky in front of you. And we're getting a coach back from Arsenal on the midnight coach. And I thought I'd have a nice little snooze here. Saw people running to get on. And these people must have just come from a gig in London. I know because it was winter and they were just in like T-shirts and all this. And this kid absolutely stunk in front of me. Yeah. For the old trip, it was taking me ages to drift off because I could just smell his B.O. There's this, I remember there was this lad with a 22-hour coach journey back from the south of France for a school trip. And this kid, I think you might remember him, Byron. He's stank and he drank nothing but full fat coke. So like, it sounds like me, apart from the stinking part. So <laughs> you don't mean me. Like, it was his breath, so he didn't brush his teeth. Yeah, I think I do all, know what you mean. And all he drank was full fat two liter bottles of coke. So he had it next to him, and I had to spray deodorant sporadically for about every thirty minutes on this twenty-two hour coach journey on the way home. Because he stank so much. There was someone that me and someone else in here used to work with, um, who was one of the, the chiefs at our work. He used to be drinking Diet Coke at like 8 o'clock in the morning and breathe all over you. <laughs> that stinky breath. I was thinking about thinking you might not going to make it. Was it you or Keenan Goff that had to go on some horrendously long coach trip and thought that you might not see oh, the other side no that yeah that was me i had food poisoning in thailand and i honestly that was the one time in my life i generally thought that was the end and <laughs> bear, bearing in mind we were going from i think it's like from bangkok down to Koh Phangan. it was a ridiculously long journey and um we're in the middle of like the thai countryside at night time like no civilization around and i'm generally telling keenan to ask the bus driver to pull over and just take me to hospital and he's just like, look, where where do you think he's going to take you right now? <laughs> yeah, Keenan's told me this before, and I can't think of anyone less sympathetic to having that scenario. Uh, TK, maybe. Apparently, I was like full on, like almost fitting, kind of like whilst I was asleep. And he he, he till to this day, he still accuses me of punching him whilst I'm asleep. Just like he, he was like, you knew what you were doing. You were just you were just jabbing me in the kidneys every now and then. I think the first time he told me this story was like, I swear to you, Byron, he turned green at one point. I swear to you, he turned green. <laughs> <laughs> if yeah, it was, I was, was not in a good before way. Christmas, then I couldn't think of anything worse. And I did actually think of it when uh, think of your trip. Well, there was one toilet. It was a double-decker bus. It was one toilet, and not 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 a single other person went into that toilet on that journey, other than me. <laughs> Christ! Uh, I think we've just got one one last bit Good of times. news. Um, 
man wakes up to a woman holding a bag of pepperoni and drinking a soda in his house. That could tie into our first story and that could be scripted. He's got to pay for that kind of thing. A bag of pepperoni. On a Sunday morning, that would be lovely. Hmm. I bet there are some some people that um, when they have the little like uh, fantasy in the films of them being like fanned and being fed grapes, <laughs> being fed some little pepperonis instead. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that does news of the week. We we've, we've got a lot out of. Uh, which is probably half as much as we usually do, so uh, credit where due there. Anyway, Alex, we'll start with your torment here. The big question, was Zidane right about Gareth Bale all along? Has he been somewhat vindicated by Bale's performances at Spurs and quite clearly what Jose thinks of him? Six Premier League appearances so far, one goal, four of those appearances off the bench, two starts, and 230 minutes played in total. Yeah, uh, so I think um, I think unfortunately it does make it look like Zidane was right about him at the moment. Um, I, I said on I said yesterday I I, I think he's done, um, and I, that was genuine. I thought he looks like he looks like that guy who you go to school with who is an absolutely amazing footballer if he, when he really, really tries, but it's kind of just past it now. and can't, he, He's having one of those games where he can't really be bothered. He feels like it's a, he's above it. And he's just like now and again, does tries to do a fancy ball in, isn't really working for it too hard, just isn't really looking to connect with the squad. He just wants to, you know, try and maybe pull off a, a nice, nice move or shot here and there. But I just, I think, I think he looks done. I, I don't. I think he's had time. I, I think he, I think he's had time now to integrate into the squad and get fitness back. Um, he has had match time in the Europa League and the cup game, so you can't say it's necessarily a fitness thing. And the guys, look, the, the fitness side of things isn't going to be at this point in the season. Shouldn't be a problem. He's had game time. He's got some of the best sporting facilities in the world. He's an experienced individual. He hasn't had injury problems. Um, so I, I just think. Uh, he's gone to Real. He's got. He's had his big transfer. He's had his big footballing story. He's gone to Real Madrid. He's won his big cups. Um, he's what. He's won pretty much everything that he's probably going to win in his career. From you know at the highest level, Champions League and. Yeah, well, I don't see us keeping him another season. I, I think he'll be. Well, you're running off, off this season. Uh, it's all about top four. I've said that from the start. It's all about <sighs> top four. Childish. We should say you you've actually got half of the prediction right, which with some of your predictions on the podcast it is is worth pointing out. You did say at some point in the near future, probably by the end of January, I think you said there was going to be an injury to that front line, and Gareth Bale was going to have to step up. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he's not. Right. <laughs> yeah, I did also say I did also say that I um, not too long ago I said every team this season has had their dips so far. Um, and I don't. Sure I think this is going to be. I'm going to. I'm going <laughs> to. No, but in terms of like a serious dip, where the manager starts to have their head on the chopping block, mm. and I, I think this is. I think this is going to be Tottenham's big wobble now. Um, 
but yeah, yeah, sticking to get sticking to Bale, I, I I don't see what he's bringing to that squad at the moment. Um, I just there's no, I watching him on Sunday, it just there was no link up whatsoever. I, he just I, offered nothing. I'll come in all. there. I'll come in there though and say I think. Got off a bat for him, Jack. Come on. This this system does not suit him whatsoever. I mean, Come on. And, unless yep. you're Kane, yep. unless you're Kane or Bale, uh, Kane or Son, sorry, this system you're designed to just be an auxiliary to try and get them space. It's not designed for Gareth Bale to but show. That system only gonna... happened because Son demonstrated that he was worthy of that happening. If if Mourinho yeah. thought the outlet was going to be there and he can have it on both wings. Then he's not going to say, "Don't shift it over to Bale." I, I don't think it's so much yeah. that, though. I think it's the case he's got a pragmatic system which Jose is living and dying by at the moment, and he's not. We, we know that he's not going to change anything. This is how he manages teams. He has his Drogba that he likes, and then he has his Lampard slash feeder to Drogba, and then the rest of it's kind of like stay stay tight. <laughs> Don't give anything up and just hope that they do the business. He was feeding Frank. <laughs> you laughing at yeah. Frank and feeding. <laughs> not even cold yet, guys. <laughs> He's already dead. There's some photographers that have just been following him around, him around walking his dog this week. Just multiple shots of him out walking his dog, which no shame. I don't think's needed. I actually but, dug out an old report from when uh, we've had the troubles between Bale and Zidane. And one of them last June said, um, Bale is said to have become increasingly irritated about only being used as a substitute in several key matches, while Zidane is understood to have been left annoyed by the player's reaction to being left out. Are we not just seeing a repeat of this exact same thing with Mourinho instead of Zidane? The bigger uh, concern to me is that he doesn't seem that bothered about being left out a lot. Of time. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I, that's that's what Zidane's that's what Zidane's saying. Oh right, I thought you were suggesting, but you know, he's. I thought you were saying that Zidane wasn't happy. He wasn't happy, but well, no, because the next the next one is Zinedine Zidane said Gareth Bale didn't want to play against Man City. Right, right, right. There's another report that says Zidane is annoyed that Bale doesn't show enough commitment when he's not selected for one reason or another, whether that be injury or fitness. Sometimes going to play golf when his team is heavily engaged, <laughs> and that takes the love away more from his coach and his teammates. Yeah, he, the thing is, it's it with what you're seeing at Spurs now um, this season, with the lack of giving a damn about not making it into the Premier League start eleven on a consistent basis, not fighting his corner in terms of trying to want to bring his element to a potential system that Mourinho is looking at playing. Um, those stories like that look a little bit more damning and a little bit more believable because you're right. He hasn't once thrown the toys about at the pram. I mean, Mourinho came out the other day and said, like, I can't just, I can't just give Bale game time. You know, that, yeah. that is quite a damning Send that message, isn't he? Yeah, and there was no there was no response from that. No, like you know, oh, Bale's agent says he wants to go back to Madrid, or Bale's agent says he wants to go out this way, or going back to Spurs was a mistake. Just not not even a peep. He didn't even look bothered. You know, he doesn't even get get subbed, did he? Put an obligation in. He 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 just even on the bench, and you know, just he doesn't look bothered. He doesn't look frustrated. There's no real emotion there. Unfortunately, it does look like the bail that 
the bell that was at Madrid is the bell in the under Zidane is the bell we, we've got, and it does look like Zidane was right. And let's be honest, you know, he's going to forever hold that price tag and that tight that sort of that level of that level of player that we expect him to be. So the benchmark that he's got to work to is going to be is forever going to be at a certain point. So it really is sink or swim. He's got to come out of the gate hot. Um, I remember to, thinking it was strange that uh, he was gutted he didn't get moved to China when you think what we thought his level was that he should have been having much more options and it might tie in by the fact that you do hear of people in football talking the fact there wasn't so many people in for him and we said this with players before we were like well we hear about how good some of these players are yet nobody else is weirdly in for them it might if the rumblings were in within football, maybe said what Bale was like, whether it's in training, whether it's his attitude. You got to think part of the issue at Real Madrid was that after Ronaldo left, Gareth Bale was the highest paid player there. He mm. was earning three three million a year more than Sergio Ramos, <laughs> and that wasn't going to go well with Zidane, who felt that he had a luxury player that he wasn't getting any luxuries from. And then you look at Spurs now; he's even when he's had his wages halved. Spurs are paying him more than they're paying any other player in the team. Yeah. And it's only going to be so long before the teammates at Spurs are going to be more annoyed. The happiest I've yeah. seen Bale is in that clip I sent you, Alex, with him in a little uh, buggy, putting along Reggie on a sledge. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, the, the, the thing is, though, it's like when, when we signed him, I thought one of the biggest things about bringing him back to Spurs is it felt like a big sign-in. It felt like... We tried to caution you, We tried to warn you. We tried to calm you down. It, no, no, it felt like... I'm talking about like the effect that I was hoping it was going to have on the change room and thinking, oh, God, we're getting, we're getting, you know, arguably Tottenham's best player. Best you said player you were getting a leader. Yeah, yeah, but potentially. Yeah, that's what I was hoping it was going to be like. I thought I was going to have to warn you about that. And I don't, <laughs> and I don't think, I, and it doesn't, I'm not 100%, I don't think he is, looks like he's part of that unit at all. It just, I just, I'm not really basing it on too much, but I don't get the vibe that he's, he's part of that unit. So I don't think, like when he's been, when Kane's gone injured now and he's been brought into that squad, it doesn't look like he's had much of a rally effect on it. I mean, you know, come on for Christ's sake, Gareth Bale, replacing Harry Kane, you'd expect that to, you know, kind of rally the squad a bit, but it doesn't look like it has. It looks like it's had the opposite effect. But going on to what, go, go, go what, to what Jack said about how, you know, I, I do I do partly agree with Jack in terms of the system doesn't work for him. The way that Mourinho wants to play doesn't work for him. But look, he's a world-class player, for Christ's sake. You know, you've got to try and find a way of integrating him into that squad. Maybe... Not like, or even him trying to change his game to try and complement that squad in some way. I mean, he has got a creative element in him. I mean, he spe- spent the last few years in Spain, and the way that they play is, you know, the way that they play is very different to the way the Premier League plays. And I would expect him to maybe do have some sort of capability in the middle of the park. I mean, he's got a he- he's a hell of an athlete when he does not injured. There's a very good chance that he could partially try and play the ball, partially play the role that Kane was kind of playing with Son in terms of collecting, generate, collecting the ball, carrying it a little bit, generating that link-up pass and using that vision, which we know he's got. We've seen he doesn't it run past. around enough for that. I think yeah, the, pro- yeah, the problem with that as well is that for the last, well, since 
he left in what 2013 2014 or whenever he left yeah. he's had the role it's Wales of just please be on the pitch and do something just more. Yeah. yeah. So he's got a lot of freedom there. And then he's played in a Real Madrid team that won the Champions League every other season and was bossing domestically as well, other than Barcelona, obviously. So he's gone from not having to do a lot and looking pretty flash. Um, obviously, his contributions with the overhead kicks against Liverpool and the goals against Atletico as well were great. But you put him back into a pragmatic Jose team, and he's not going to shine. I, I, I will Can't say with that against West Ham. Yeah, I, I will say the the Brighton game is a brutal one to judge him on. It's Spurs were woeful as a team. I yeah. mean, yeah, barely came out of their own half, showed no ambition anyway, but no bravery. And I, I said they should have shown more against Liverpool, but you certainly got to show against Brighton. Yeah, uh, Ertzel didn't get that pass, and he was paid to do the same thing that Bale's doing at the moment. And we weren't able, we weren't saying, or maybe some of us were saying, but not the overall were saying, well, you know, the system doesn't suit him. We were saying, you paid this much money, you've got to go out there and make a difference in the game. And that's what Bale's at Spurs to do. I wouldn't say oh, your manager's not, necessarily giving... pragmatic for the most part. I, I'm not saying, I'm not giving it, I'm not giving it, I'm not giving it to Bale as an excuse. I was, what I was trying to say was, I was trying to, start a conversation to sort of see if there is a way that he could work in that system for him to pull his finger out and get make it work. I do uh, think this is also a sign of how far he's fallen physically if he isn't able to do these jobs because yeah. he could pretty much play anywhere across the front three at one point, the way he was. And now we're basically saying he can't play through the middle or out wide because he doesn't have the legs for it anymore. That is problematic for a bloke who's earning as much as he yeah. is. He, he wants yeah. to watch out because um, Ali's on the sidelines enough that Jose can't really point the finger at him. And under pressure, Jose yeah. takes no prisoners. <laughs> yeah. And so at some point soon, Bale is going to have a microphone put in front of him and said, how do you, and they're going to say, how do you feel about the fact that you're not playing as much as you perhaps think you do? And if he says something about the style of play, if he says something about, you know, I thought I'd be doing this. If he says anything that Jose is a very sensitive bloke, he's going to take <laughs> out sure he's going to be done you think Sissoko up until last night hadn't played any first team Premier League minutes or at least maybe not last night but for a long time after he came out and said about the West Ham game that we scored three goals and then we didn't go forward again that wasn't our choice Deli Ali, there was the clip of it in the Spurs documentary where he says just smashing it long and defending every single game is the same three of the worst goals I've ever seen in my life we've just conceded. <laughs> Any person that's come out and said something about his tactics, that is phenomenal. you're out the door. And I think Bale is going to have to do what he hasn't done in the last couple of years. And he's going to have to keep quiet if uh, and when he gets the opportunity or he's going to be done for. It looks like Zidane's going to be leaving at the end of the season at Real Madrid, which isn't good for us. And it's probably not good for a lot of these players that he's been loyal to at Real Madrid, but Spurs aren't going to be asking for him for another season to pay them wages again. No. So I think he should be playing for a move again, if anything. Yeah. I I definitely think that he was Daniel Levy signing. I don't think he was Mourinho signing. It looks Um, it, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I think I think it's def- Daniel Levy's not going to be stupid. He's going to be he's he's brought he's brought him back. He's got some t-shirt sales. 
And as I think he will very realize, I think he will realize very quickly that he doesn't want to sign him again. That that it was it, it wasn't going to be a return of Bale. Bale's gone. I wish we could have seen what Levy was like in that Bale signing because see you how know, excitable he was with the Bergwijn one. He well, imagine, was probably jumping up and down. Imagine Brentford when, when he's telling them to tickle Tim. Basically, it's that sort of thing. Tickle, tickle. <laughs> was that true? When um, remember Bale's first game where he was happy, and then the commentators claimed that he was watching the golf on his phone. <laughs> Were they joking or not? Because that's the happiest he's looked in his <laughs> I assume nah. they was joking. <laughs> you never know, do you? <laughs> no. I might have been the West Ham game, actually. Obviously, he wasn't as happy by the end of it, but for the most part. Um, I, do wonder, I do wonder what level of interaction Bale and Mourinho have actually had. Because if he wasn't, if he wasn't, you know, if he wasn't, Mourinho signing or he wasn't really it was kind of like well it's the big boss's signing I can't really argue with it um, I, I, I do wonder what level of interaction they have had together according to depends how intimidated he is because from when you hear all the stories about players that have played under Jose they all say that when you do actually approach him he'll chat to you about almost anything he's pretty open as we saw in the was it Ali? Was when Ali confronted him in the Spurs documentary? He, he no, Danny Rose. Danny Rose. Danny Rose. Yeah. The Danny Rose yeah. one was phenomenal. Yeah. So I imagine if Bale was to confront him, then he, he would be pretty straight with him. But he does also look like a very hard person to approach, no matter how approachable they do claim he is. So it's whether you, you want to keep your head down and hope for the best. It'd be phenomenal not. if Josie came out and said he's so lazy he hasn't even bothered to learn the language. <laughs> he doesn't even speak fucking English to me what's he doing <laughs> it's it's mental how it's gone and Real Madrid I think you can see because we're all short minded in football that you only get so much of a pass and Origi is no is no bail but he's got a Champions League winner two years ago I've, I've seen some horrendous things when you search his name in the Twitter search bar and Gareth Bale has arguably scored the greatest Champions League final goal of all time, the greatest Copa del Rey final goal of all time. Mm. Yet, you can understand if you're watching him week in, week out, and I can't profess to be watching Real Madrid week in, week out, even when Bale was coming on. If he was doing that, you'd say, cheers for the Champions Leagues, but I've had enough of this. Especially when you're being told the financial ruin that some of these clubs are in. Paying Bale the, isn't going to help him with that. Yeah, the, the money paid for him and then the money... He's making it wages, I think, is is the big problem, isn't it? It's that you could never get that out of your head. Quite no literally sold is this is our Ronaldo replacement. You thought when Ronaldo went that they almost expected he's going to step into these shoes now. Yeah. Do you think it's interesting that Dan not started him in that Champions League final? Because he then comes on and scores and then he still doesn't put himself back into his starting plans. Does what stem from it, sorry? His kind of lack of effort as it appears to be, or even just, he looks like a guy that just, he's, he's just doing his job. He's become like, apathetic, hasn't he? I, I think it probably, I reckon he's probably just got worn down by it. I think probably constant sort of criticism, he's probably just thought, kind of like a, a kid in school who's basically eventually just got sick of the teachers having to go at him and just thought, fuck it, I don't care anymore, just doing nothing. Which obviously, when you're earning hundreds of thousands of pounds a week, is sli- a slightly different scenario. But I think that 
Same with the move to China. He was initially resistant to that move to China. And he clearly got his head around it at some point. Thought, I'm going for the fucking money now. Well, he's probably seen that some players quite easily get in and get out. It was, who, there was... Um... There was an Argentinian that came, went from PSG over there. Lavazzi? Yes. He, he did. <laughs> he got in, got his money, got out. <laughs> and he probably saw that. And you can't even do that in China anymore because they put a, a ban on all those contracts. So that dream's dead. You can't just retire away to Bayern or someone like that. Imagine how so, furious you'd be out there. You'd see someone like Oscar. It's like, you're still picking up that wage, are you? Oh, okay. He's been trying to get out for ages. We keep getting linked with him just because Eddie's a Brazilian. He, he keeps trying to come back to Chelsea. He's like, I still see a future for myself at Chelsea. But there wasn't a future for you at Chelsea. No, he, he did an interview and said, uh, David Luiz and William keep telling me to come to Arsenal. So they can tell you that all they want. You dare. <laughs> Bloody That's a little bit like joining a new school and being careful who you choose your best mates are as well. Don't be hanging around with William if you want to be <laughs> liked around here, son. All right, should we move on? I was going to say, where does everyone reckon yeah. Bell, like, what's next for him? Obviously, if Spurs tell him to do one at the end of the season, goes back MLS. to Madrid. Yeah. Into Miami. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, it is, a, it is a tricky one. I do think he's ended up... Do you remember when Michael Owen said about how basically he just couldn't wait to retire? I feel like Bale's got in that position where it started with a physical deterioration and now it's a mental thing where I think he switched off personally. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's thinking, oh, instead of being sat on this cold bench, I could be playing golf in like the Canary Islands or something mm. somewhere mm. warm during these summers now. And like, let's be honest... When he's at the top of it, top of his game, he was brilliant and he lit up football. He's just been unlucky with injuries that and mm. they've kept him out of teams, plagued him to the point where he's probably just got depressed where he thinks that I can't do this anymore because it's like going said, that, when you can't do it, what you used to be able to do. It's exactly, just, exactly. Like, he's, fall, he's, fall, he's fallen out of love with it. He's, he's yeah. fallen out of love with it. That that extra mile that he needs to work now to maintain fitness, to maintain sharpness. He, he's not. He's, he hasn't got it anymore. He hasn't got the love for it. You can see that in him. He's not... I, I, just, I he's, being at a football game doesn't overly excite him. You can tell that from when he sat on the bench. And even on the pitch, his body language is just not good. He's just Tricky tester. Maybe it's just being at a Spurs game doesn't excite him because frankly, <laughs> it doesn't excite me very much. Well, you, look, you, look, you look at... If you, a perfect comparison is compare the, compare the two Welshmen, Ryan Giggs versus Gareth Bale. You saw how long Ryan Giggs went on for and you saw how, how sharp he managed to maintain. You saw how he adapted his game in the real later years of his career. And he, he, you looked at the way he played for United. He never fell out of love with it at all. He was always he wanted to. He had a lot of side interests. He has a lot of ways to. So does Bale. So does Bale. It's just a bit more metallic. (laughs) (laughs) But um, but you can tell you can look. He's he's not prepared. He's not interested. He's he's fallen out of love with it. And like you said, I think that's so. He's waiting for retirement now. He wants to watch where he goes if he goes to the MLS because uh, the managers over there, it's not quite a luxury when you get these big players over there now. And they, they don't take prisoners. You saw some of this stick Higuain got in his first game alone. And they've been spoiled with some of the names they've had over there. Thierry Omri and Zlatan Leitner. They've had David Villa, which has gone downhill uh, since he's uh, started finishing there. But... How quintessentially football fan is this, by the way? The fact that we're saying, 
Giggsy, consummate pro. Bale, hey, obviously, he doesn't give a fuck. He's out on the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> what was he doing? Oh, he's shagging his sister's bird, but he's Bale, yeah, wasn't he? You won't find me say a nice word about that, man. <laughs> Scumbag. Anyway, talking of scum, if we go on to Chelsea, <laughs> sucking poor Frank. Um, Seamless. So Thomas Tuchel has now had a week in the job. It was... You've done it again. I'm, I'm, well, not gonna, I'm not going to dig um, out AJ yeah. every I'm, week. I'm so used to saying And not dig it, you though. out. Um, yeah. I, I think this is slightly time. more forgivable than the, the Reggion scandal. Yeah. I'm still not recovered from Jack saying Reggion sounded like the Crash Bandicoot when you put a mask on the way Alex was saying it. <laughs> Regulagon. Regulagon gave the call. Is it? Is it is it Thomas Tukey? <laughs> Thomas Tukey. I need one of them dog collars that gives you a shock when you say it wrong. <laughs> anyway, the new Chelsea manager has had his first week in charge. So, what has he got right? What's he got wrong? And what should we expect moving forward? Jack, when you saw that starting lineup for his first game against Wolves. I had exactly the same reaction as to when oh. I saw the first three at the back when Conte did it. Um, when I saw Victor Moses on the team sheet, I was like, <laughs> thinking, what the fuck is he playing out here? He what, Does he want to get sacked? And then we went on a 13-game unbeaten streak, well, winning streak. And it was kind of the same here. It was almost like, I saw it, but the first one, the glaring one, is obviously Alonso. Um Hasn't played since September, since the big falling out at the 3-3 draw against West Brom. And you looked at that selection and you thought, shit, (laughs) what's he he playing out here? And And with what we said about Alonso last week. Yeah, that that as well. And I think he was being hounded by Chelsea fans when he's being played at a left-back in a back four because... All he wants to do is attack. That's that all he wants. Doesn't sound to like do. Chelsea fans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but that's all he wants to do is to get forward, and he just doesn't really care about getting back, which isn't too bad when we're playing Tuchel's system. Because I, from what I've seen that he's got right is he likes to dominate games. He likes to have a lot of the ball, and I saw a lot of outrage um, after the Wolves game from loads of people in the media. Tony Cascarino being one of them said. It was absolutely <laughs> sickeningly dreadful. It put me to sleep. What is he doing? After he's had one training session, the day after he became manager, uh, and the, yeah, the game was after the day after he became manager, I was like, well, from what I've seen, is we look a lot more solid and we kept a lot of the ball and we were unlucky because we couldn't finish our chances. And Wam Loft saying he refused to watch it after seeing the lineup. <laughs> well, I, I, and so if we, if we fast forward to the Burnley game, which is what really interested me he's had a few days with the team he's had a few training sessions and the problem that Chelsea faced under Frank was that we'd have a lot of the ball at the halfway line passing across the back four and then have like I've said to you before the overloading of the wings with the midfielders which then left us wide open in midfield um and it was almost kind of the one thing that I've noticed tactically is that Having a front five against these teams that's sitting against us is a lot more effective, believe it or not, than having a front three. Because they can't mark man for man and they do miss out on players. We always seem to have a man over, which that's a great tactic for playing against the lower like division well, the lower teams in the league, I should say. So Hudson Adoy, Alonso being on the wings, 
leaves, there's a Mac, there's always a minimum of three players in the box for Chelsea, which under Frank it was one, which was why the strikers look so isolated all of the time. I've also noticed as well as that we have a lot of possession between our two midfielders. We passed forward between the lines more than around the lines, which again is a massive change from Frank, where he did want to keep the ball and get it wide and cross it in. And it just didn't work at the end. And it just, he didn't have the ability to change. And that's the thing that I've learned and I've seen of Tuchel so far is that he will change to suit the opposition of which he's playing, which is very pragmatic. And I like that. I have to say, I do. I think that's a good way because doing one thing against say Man City who you will have less of the ball but there will be more space for you to tack into or Leeds or something like that that's one thing but to play a system that doesn't work against teams that sit in against you consistently so not only do you play the same system but they learn the way you play against teams that sit in and know how easy it is to pick you off on the break I thought that was a bit of a failing and a lesson that I hope Frank would have learned a bit sooner Whereas Tuchel, I've seen so far, I've been pretty pleased, if I'm, if I'm mm. being honest. Um, obviously, I'm never going to be pleased to see Frank go, as simple as that. However, he's come in, he interviews very, very well. He's probably the most articulate foreign manager we've had for a, a very long time, which is interesting to hear. Is um, I thought his first press conference was as good as I've seen. Yeah, I think... W- you without, can... you know, like a, a Jose-type special one headline, I thought it was well, a really, really Arteta's good press conference. First. Talking about their non-negotiables. <laughs> I think, yeah, like Tuchel came in and doused a lot of fires. I think that's what he did. Like mm. he knew that the fan base was up in arms about Frank being sacked. Um, he knew that he's not going to come in and make a rash statement saying that, well, the new push starts now and all this kind of stuff. He was very not apologetic, but empathetic with the Chelsea fan base, where he could understand a legend's just been sacked. So he didn't go too overboard. Um, but he just showed a lot of respect for what Frank did. But what he did do is he, he showed us that he knows the squad inside out already mm. just by talking about the players, where the best positions are, where he sees the vision. And seeing that and hearing that from a manager is really positive from my oh, side. Why were some Chelsea fans shocked that he hasn't just picked the exact same lineup that's been in the run of form that's got Frank sacked? Mm. Yeah. was I'd... the first thing that was mental. Yeah, I think that uh, Chelsea Twitter at the moment is an absolute minefield. It's <laughs> It was bad when Frank was in charge because you had everyone that was backing Frank versus kids that... I, I was speaking, we said in the group chat, me and TK, that I can't get my head around that there's kids that didn't grow up watching Frank Lampard play. I refuse to. I know. <laughs> there's 15-year-olds on Twitter that grew up watching football when Frank left Chelsea and I just find I've that I've seen them calling him uh, Tommy Took's Tricky Blues which was a lot for me to handle <laughs> <laughs> but yeah going, so you've got a lot of divide oh. there and now it's all just now all over the place because you've got people wanting Frank and people back in Tuchel people not and it's just it's hell so try and stay away from it as much as possible if if results don't go your way him playing Hudson Odoi as a wing back is going to be called a war crime because he's gone full Conte so far with showing the wing back, Havertz doing the kind of hazard, Azpilicueta doing his thing. I honestly think that, I mean, Hudson Odoi's got two man of the matches, let's not hasten to add. I mean, he's mm. got two man of the matches. Have you seen the bloke's dishing out the man of the match awards? 
I'm convinced Hoddle doesn't watch the game. <laughs> <laughs> Even so, it's still two man of the match. He set up two goals out of hands, um, hit the post. He was our most dangerous player. And it gives him that freedom because although it is said that he's playing right wing back, he's, he's playing right forward. We're playing five up front against these teams. Well, it's we... one of them, isn't it? The new thing now is, and it's, I don't know if it's just not been a thing previously or we just know about it more now with the analytics and things where you have a formation in attack and you have a formation in defence. And yeah. it's essentially a five at the back, isn't it, when you don't have the ball and then it well, switches. It, I, I don't even think it is because the way that I see it is You that, don't play three centre-backs and then no, not... When we don't have the ball, what happens is is we go to a back four and then one of the, the centre-mids drops in it, whichever right-back's out of position. That's what I've seen over the past two games. Although we have Copy played... Copy Arteta maybe, with Xhaka. Yeah. We have played Burnley and Wolves. The blueprint. Um, Changing which, the game again. Which uh. haven't really attacked us. So it'll be interesting to see us against Spurs, who, although they do sit in, will have probably more attacks than Burnley and Wolves did. But the, the positive well, is... better that. than Frank against Wolves. Let's not forget that. <laughs> mm. we, we've, considered, yeah. we've, con- we've considered two shots in two games. Two clean sheets look very solid, which from what I've seen over the past couple of years is actually pleased me. <laughs> I, I'd rather I'd rather win a game one nil, two nil than win it like four three. Because yeah, so I'm not sure there's a better team you could have played than Burnley, but TK might beg to differ. Well again, like we that's another <laughs> tough thing. team, right? Tough team. <laughs> that's another thing that I've picked up on is that one they just won at Anfield and two that um, it was these teams that we struggled against. It was the teams that were on bad runs. We ended playing them. And then <laughs> it wasn't beat just those teams. It was every team. <laughs> well, if you look at it was these Premier League teams that were the problem. <laughs> well, no, this is what I'm saying. So Wolves, the only team they beat in the last nine is us. Everton were on a bad run. They played us one, and then we lost to Arsenal, who were ridiculous, having a ridiculous season as well. So what I'm saying is, we looked Mikel a lot Arteta's more. Mikel Arteta's tricky Reds. <laughs> We look a lot more solid. Somewhere, isn't it? We look a lot more solid. We look. There's an inevitability about our attack now, which it seems to be a case of when we score instead of if, which is good because we're having loads of opportunities. Burnley, that game could have been about five nil. We'd been able to finish our dinner that day. So, are you feeling if you're a youth player at Chelsea now? You've seen supposedly Frank was just handing out these uh, appearances to youth players like they're going out of fashion. And the board have quite clearly told the next Chelsea manager, I mean, we appreciate you putting some of these young players in, but don't be doing that at the, ex- at the expense of winning games. Um, again, I think our young players have been established enough in the first team to be considered part of the squad now. You look at the likes of... Reese James, Tammy Abraham, who started at the weekend. I'm not talking about them, though. They're, they're our established first teamers. I'm Hudson talking about the, the tier below that. So what, your Billy Gilmore's, your Anurin's, yeah. that kind of... At the, same, at the same time, I think there's always going to be a promotion of youth because the reason for that is because they want money for these players. They have this loan farm system and this academy that is well-beaten to make money to fuel transfers for other players. That's how we're profitable. So to be able to raise their transfer fees, they're going to have to get minutes somewhere and they're probably going to have to get um, game time, not just in the League Cup in lower opposition FA Cup ties. So I think you're still going to see a push on youth. 
And I think we've got in our in our um, academies enough players of decent quality to still break through. And you're in BM1. Um, it was gutter when we lost Lampsy, obviously, but it is what it is. And I think there are players there. Trevor Shalaba, he's out on loan, I think, as well. So I, th- I don't think it's going to be all doom and gloom. Plus, you look at Thomas Tuchel's record of playing youngsters at Dortmund. I know it's different at PSG, but he brought a lot through a lot of young players there. He's, he started um, Christian Pulisic's career at 17. You're given so. more allowances to do it now, though, is the... I, I don't I don't disagree with you. Like now that Frank's been sacked, I'm in the full belief that we're never gonna see a project at Chelsea because if we were we would have seen it with Frank. Um so it will be a case now of win or something or you're out. So you are going to see a a lull in the promotion of youth, but I still think they're gonna to want to promote youth as much as possible to get these inflated transfer fees for them. It's not gonna be long till he reverts to his four three three. He's he's been playing a four three three since he started his career when you look back I think it's like 82% of the games he's played as a professional manager he's played a 4-3-3 so as much as this pragmatism you you might like at some point that's coming yeah he's probably just seeing who he likes now and how he can work it I would probably say that 4-3-3 is probably our best formation when it's played in the right way with the players you bought though you you're not fitting those big money signings in as well as Hudson Adoy and the like. I think what he'll do, I mean, obviously I'm not inside his brain, but what I would do is in the situation is that right now, against these teams that sit in against us, he's found a formula that just works. And then if he keeps switching it up, so he plays a 4-3-3 against mid-tier, top-tier games, and then at the bottom tier he plays um, the three at the back it really keeps teams on their toes where they can't really plan. They don't know what's coming. Mm. Whereas that was a failing, I think, of Frank's where he played the same system every single game. They knew what, they, everyone knew what was coming. And it was just a case of if they were good enough tactically to be able to work on their defence, they'd beat us. Um, if, I think if, that he will go with the three at the back against the lower league teams, but the 4-3-3 three, three, I think would work against the top, uh, top opposition. If we go on to... Uh deadline day proceedings if you want more on frank lampard sacking tk's got a good piece up on the website now called let's be frank if you go and have a look at that and it kind of explains how everyone that isn't a chelsea fan feels and does help to explain it to chelsea fans who may be a bit confused as to how we're reacting the way we are to lampard sacking it's a very good piece I, I, don't, I don't think it was unfair. I think I, I did concede that, you know, I can see some way Chelsea fans feel that they do. I don't know. I think it was a brilliant piece, mate. I read it and I thought it was excellent. I think you're definitely right. I think Chelsea fans are always going to have... We. It wasn't a case of Frank's amazing, let's back Frank. It was, we love Frank. I hope he turns out good. Uh, and as I said in there, Liverpool fans will probably have the same with Gerald in a few years. They, exactly. They have an awful situation where he may not be as good as a manager as he was as a player and you're going to have to suck him. Yeah, I sent it on to someone who thought it was a positive Lampard piece and was quite confused when they got to the end of it. <laughs> um, Goff then. Last deadline day, we had you here. This deadline day, we've got you here. If we start off with United, you were one of the more positive ones, I think, about Cavani at the time. I don't know if that was wishful thinking. I don't know if you maybe saw something there that you liked. I think at the time I said I'd start him ahead of Martial and the reaction was I was being rash. But 
Looks a very good seat now. I stand, I stand by that claim. <laughs> Can't unsee it since that tweet saying that Martial spends 90 minutes doing the Ice Cube face from 22 Jump Street. <laughs> <laughs> and now he quite literally does do that. Cavani, I think, doesn't like playing Arsenal or he was an Arsenal fan as a kid because the chances he's let us off with over the years, mm. as I always reference on here, the worst performance I've ever seen from an individual player was... Um, at Goff's old house, actually, with uh, Cavani for PSG, where everything he touched was just the the opposite of a goal. And then he let us off a couple of times on Saturday, so he done us a favour Yeah, there. he didn't have the best game on Saturday, did he? <laughs> <laughs> In general, though, though, I've been impressed watching him. Yeah. Yeah, if you just look at his... his what I'm most impressed about is his movement off the ball. Like, you can talk about Martial and how he just stands around when he plays up top. Compare that with Cavani. And yeah, just he gets into those spaces in the box. Like he wants the ball all the time. Um, Obviously put the game against Arsenal, maybe the Sheffield United game aside, but he like, when he's got the ball, he, you can see him trying all these flicks, holding it up. And it's just what you don't get with Martial. His instincts compared to your other strikers is just ridiculous. Like, yeah, exactly. Marshall and Rashford, it's not like they're not good players, but they don't, they're not instinctive like, in terms of where to go. He knows exactly where to go, albeit yeah. sometimes doesn't finish them. His contract runs out at the end of the season. Should United be thinking already about extending that? I think I, I would in their shoes. I think yeah. I would. At, at the moment, I think I would. Unless... Martial miraculously turns around his form and has like an absolutely smashing second half of half the season. I don't really see how we can't offer Cavani an extension. He's a unless... better person to have around um, Greenwood than Martial in terms of learning the role. And he does seem to be, from what you hear, quite hands-on in terms of he does quite enjoy the role of helping develop these young players. That's a good yeah. character, doesn't he? Weirdly, when when you watch Martial, like when he's played out on the left, the movement which he gets well criticised for not doing, he he does that a lot more when he's on the left. So I don't actually mind him being out on the left. It's just when he's played at top, he's I don't know if it's just like a mental thing. He goes back to like being that kid at school who just decides to goal hang and thinks that that's <laughs> being a striker. But Your like, problem is as well. You've, weird you've now got him, Rashford, and Pogba, probably all the best off the left currently. Yeah. So at some point you have to try and shoehorn them, which doesn't really work. Martial's thing is, we've spoken on here about Berbatov plenty of times, and we've said, when you can nail the, the, the kind of swagger of being the player, that is effortless. It looks like they're almost trying to make as little effort as possible. When you can pull that off, it is the coolest thing you can possibly do as a football player. When well, you're like, not though, like and it Berbatov doesn't work like kind that. Of thing, yeah. yeah, so Berbatov, that's that's the, the best you can almost see it doing it. The, the goal for Monaco with the chip over the keeper, where he looks like he's not put any more effort into that than he possibly needs to to get it over the keeper. When you're doing that with Martial, who does look like he's actively putting in as little effort as possible, when it doesn't go your way, then you do look awful. And he can be a scapegoat very quickly because his body language is up there with Ertzil for even when he's having a not bad game, that body language is going to tell you it's worse than it is and it's going to turn it's going to get people turning on you. 
that's the thing. Yeah, you're spot on. It's it's easy to make him a scapegoat because don't he don't get me wrong. There are there has been games where he has tracked back or he has made a run when he's needed to. He just doesn't do it enough to to be starting for Manchester United anyway. And that's obviously if we didn't have Cavani, I'm not sure where we'd be at the moment because I suppose you'd have to either put Rashford through the middle, which as TK said, he's probably a bit more effective out on the left. Um, Ollie seems to see Greenwood as more of a right winger at the moment than a striker. So it did, yeah, the Ryan's not it's not looking great for for Martial at the moment. Some other ones that we we spoke about when um, you were on last, we had Thomas Partey signed for Arsenal the same day. I won't. I won't give my take first, and so I mean, I'll open open the floor to, to any of you. Have you got what you would expect from Party at Arsenal? Have you got more? Have you got less? He's shown what he can do. You just haven't had him out there enough, have you? Which is probably <laughs> I, I, probably I the club doing yeah, what they ironic, do. Ironically, um, <laughs> he's got a whiff of what Ndombele was like. Um, uh, last season, really. Yeah, it's gone fire of... with that brush. <laughs> well, no, it, 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 at the very start... I reckon start, his BMI's a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, un- undoubtedly, I would say, of, of course, we've it, it's been slightly better for Party, but I'm just trying to say there is a comparison there. Like, he's he's been held back by injury and he's been held back by uh, just struggling to get back from those injuries and hitting his stride. So, I just... Yeah, I think at the moment you'd say you haven't got your money's worth, and he's. But I think undoubtedly, give it another season, even if he doesn't sort of if he continues to carry on the way it is this season with setbacks. I think you'll get you. You've seen enough to see that there's a player yeah. there. Yeah, the best yeah. performance so far has been away at Old Trafford, and then the worst performance has been at home against United, which I quite like that he on his own Instagram said look not the best game for me today but 90 minutes under the belt and uh, come away with a point so I don't think if he was saying great game kind of thing you'd be a bit more worried but Mm. even the uh, Sky pundits seem to say look if that's the worst game you're going to get from him it's probably not too bad so 50 million though I mean it is interesting that Arsenal put that out there. Obviously, you can see him better from Xhaka because of what he brings having him alongside there. And it does tie into another move which seems to be getting over the line today, and that is uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles to West Brom now. Linked with Leicester, linked with Southampton, linked with... Uh, a whole host of clubs, and it does seem that Maitland-Niles is going to West Brom. The, the turning point seeming to be that West Brom, whether it's uh, Sam Allardyce has done the old manager trick where you promise someone they're going to be a key player, full well knowing they're going to be uh, on your No bench. matter who they are, <laughs> yeah. a key player. And that's that's apparently what the, the point is, is put him off these other teams where he's looked and he's been told either, look, we're signing you to play as a fullback. It's West Brom apparently have told him he's being signed to play in the middle of the park. And Listen, they got Jay Livermore in there. I think he should be getting a game. I mean, if you've got Troy on here, then I think 
he he would say similar. We're, we're both probably as big a fans of Ainsley Maitland-Niles as you're going to find anywhere. Um, midfield isn't the place for him. He's not even not a West Brom team? Not having it? I think less so there. Whose TV is that? It's just sitting yeah. with sponge cake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just sitting with sponge cake out of nowhere. My money would be on well, Alex, but I feel like he might know better. I know that man does love baking. Um, <laughs> he, he played He played in the middle of the park um, for us in the Europa League a couple of times. The first time he did that um, interview where he complained, look, look, I want to be a midfielder, I'm happy being a fullback. In so many words. He quickly realised, hang on, it's not happening well, for the, me that. the next game, me and Troy actually went to the game. It was one of them sink or swim types. Unai Emery put him in the middle of the park. Mm. He had an absolute stinker of a game. It, it was against some like Slovenian team or whatever that you get in the Europa League group stage. He had an absolute howler. And he was taken off at half time and then he didn't play again for a while until he was needs must and he was brought back on a fullback. Same happened with Wenger, where Wenger tried him a couple of times, almost to say to him, "Like you're very talented when we play you at fullback. It's not going to happen for you in the middle of the park." Mm. Yeah. And enough managers have seemingly said it to him. Apparently, what's happened is when he went to the England camp, and this is what the Athletic are saying today is, people in the England camp have said to him, "Look, we see you as we see you as a midfielder." I don't know if that's stroking his ego because when he's played for England then they didn't play him in midfield they played him at fullback so it makes very little sense to me if anything if he wants to be further forward if that's what he wants to be some people just you saw David Luiz celebrating defending the free kick and you might not have seen that at some points but some people just don't want to be that guy at the back he'd be better off as a winger than he would be a central yeah. midfielder. And he's yeah. looked okay when he's played there. He actually got his first Premier League goal was about two minutes in Anfield last season. He went very quickly downhill after that. <laughs> but he looks good enough there. His final ball is much better than Bellerin you got in the fullback position. But because of his kind of teetering, Cedric's overtaken him now at left fullback back up and as right back uh, and as your right back back up middle of the park you've got Elneny who's going to be playing there ahead of him you've got Willock who's going to be playing there ahead of him who's also going out on loan and a whole number of players so he's either got to pick it and say I can be the best I can be at full, right wing right wing back or right full back which I do think he's the best we've got in the squad but I think he's one of the best in England I've defended 1v1, but it looks like nobody's had that chat with him and he's been dropped again for apparently being late to training and not putting in the necessary efforts. So. Oh, dear. That's why he was dropped before with Arteta. He was late to training. And I know Arteta, it seems, was almost like a dictator when he first started. You saw with Gwen Doozy, who was dropped from the squad for being at a concert in Abu Dhabi <laughs> swinging his shirt around his head was literally the reason of how he got in Arteta's bad books if you get dropped for that. anything these days they were at some thing where it was like a sponsored event and Gwen Doozy took his shirt off thinking it was funny and swung it around his head turned around <laughs> caught Arteta's eye 
called him in for a meeting and said, this is not how you represent yourself <laughs> when you're representing Arsenal. <laughs> and so that. when Maitland-Niles was late, he was dropped. He came back in right before the cup run. Arteta said, look, he's changed in training. And Maitland-Niles did an interview and he said, he was demanding levels of me eventually that I didn't know I had in me. And he said he appreciated it. It looks like he was dropped from the team and kind of reverted back, which it's not hard to believe that maybe he was a bit too laid back and thought a couple of minutes late wouldn't hurt anyone. As long as they oh. let him have penalties at West Brom. Yeah, exactly. It's, he's worth the signing for the penalties alone. I will say I do admire that he's backed himself and he's decided I want to get get the move to get first team football. But uh, yeah. I don't think I don't think it's one that's going well for him. As I said in the chat, I think uh, look at Kieran Gibbs if you want an example of how things can go rapidly downhill. <laughs> yeah, Gibbs was one who we didn't realise wasn't good enough until we saw elsewhere that he wasn't good enough. <laughs> I don't. I, yeah, I don't wish to be that guy. I believe we were trying to point that out a few times on the pod that Gibbs was maybe wasn't quite what you thought, but. I understand. You had, you had you also, feelings involved. Did you think he was this bad, though? No, that that is true. There is a there is an in between. It's true. I didn't. <laughs> I thought uh, I thought he'd probably be a little bit more standout at a club like West Brom than he has been. I, I spoke to I spoke to Rubes, and he he seems to think that Allardyce has just said what he needs to get him in, and he's going to play him straight straight or right fullback. So yeah, it would be classic, Big Sam. I've been blaming Allardyce for. Pulis with Nabri all day saying not another one we're sending there under him he's going to ruin another one of ours I mean it clicked in my head about about three o'clock on them. that wasn't actually Allardyce <laughs> I do think Arsenal if they had any other choice weren't going to send him there purely because of Allardyce though that would have been great spite if Maitland-Niles does well maybe he comes back there's no obligation in there there's not even an option so at least we've got him on a long-term deal if it goes well. I think he just wants to get in the England squad now he's got a taste of it. A player that... Have they packed themselves? Have they been greedy? Maybe not backing themselves. The deal for Josh King to go to Southampton looked all but done this morning when the news broke. Uh, it since came out. It's never a good look, regardless when we don't know the terms that Josh King felt he deserved more than Southampton were offering and he's going to stick it out of Bournemouth for another six months until he's a free agent because he feels he can demand more money as a free agent or he feels that coming back to the Premier League he, he, he deserves what he apparently refers to as Premier League money so do you think Southampton are missing out on one there or do you think it would have been nice to them if they got it done but I don't think they're going to be too gutted <coughs> I don't think they're going to be too gutted. It's one of those that they would take if it was a decent price, but they're not going to pay over the odds for Josh King. He does have these like delusions of grandeur a bit, doesn't he? I was going to say, what, what do you think he is here? Because I think my night came in from last season. And this is got, probably what it is. He's got in his head now, he's thinking, right, that's the standard of which I want to be aiming for. Yeah. It's like, well, I don't think it is, mate. I think my night were just desperate. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he came for the youth ranks there okay. as well, did he not? Second, I believe he came for the youth ranks at United, did he not, as well? I thought it was just because he was Norwegian. Which you didn't know for the longest time, did you? 
Well, I didn't think he was English like some, but it's a very English name. Do you think that obviously with Danny Ings being their star man at front as well, he wouldn't have been happy just sitting on the bench behind Ings and obviously hoping well, that Ings may suffer another injury? He's 29 now, which is older than I thought he was. So he probably is thinking, this is my last big contract in football. I think he just likes it. I think he just likes the rumour because it seems to be the last, what, three windows he seems to be getting linked. I think maybe he just likes a bit of attention. He's just going to keep doing this every deadline day. Well, after <laughs> after it broke down with uh, Southampton, Fulham apparently went in for him and uh, they very quickly found out <laughs> we're not getting this over the line either. He's been supposed to be in a West Ham for the longest time as well. But I guess everyone has. Because... Um, Fulham have just signed that um, Josh Meyer from the French League. Although apparently the deal's not dead for Josh King, but we'll see how we go. <laughs> Twenty-nine years old. Would you would you have him over Shea Adams, TK, if you're in charge? Well, well this is it. This I, season, I I would just about choose him over Shea Adams, but it, there ain't a lot in it. So to be going it's in and throwing so weight around 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 wages is uh, a little bit. Yeah, I don't think you've really got the, the cachet to be doing that. Yeah, I'd imagine Che Adams would be on a lot less than what King's mm. probably demanding. So you'd go with Adams. And ultimately, Adams has proven to be a pretty good foil for Ings, which is what they, they're they going to want. He is their best player. So I'm not sure Josh King can go in there and try and uh, turn the place upside down. It's screwed over Shane Long as well, hasn't it? Because he was going to go to Bournemouth the other way. My guy, Shane Long. I saw you being a bit disrespectful about him yesterday on your Twitter. I, uh... I was pinned homage to their uh, their work rates. <laughs> Aaron Connolly and Shane Long. Just, it he is someone who, in my head, is prolific. But it's only because he scores every time he plays Arsenal and not against really anyone else. He reminds me when he plays Arsenal. What was that bold fellow who played for Norwich used to have a screaming issue? Was it Morrison? No. Oh, um... He seemed to just turn up for Norwich against Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was his name... Um... Tetty scored for Norwich against us and that was when they were in the Premiership back in the Grant Holt days and then they came back to the Premiership and remember his name and they were like just the one Premier League goal to his name and I thought well that is just typical <laughs> <laughs> but Shane Long Charlie Austin they both uh, bolstered their numbers against Arsenal over the years I'd quite like to see Shane Long get him over to the MLS I'm always touting he's a uh, Older players, rather than go down to the championship, get yourself over to the MLS after seeing what BWP did over there. Yeah. Could be, could be the next Robbie Keane. Exactly. Could seem a good guy, Shane Long, as well. Um, Arsenal, last bit of uh, news on them in this list, by the way. Um, supposedly been after a left back today. Doesn't look like it's going to get done. Um, Patrick Van Arnholt and Ryan Bertrand were the two names that were pointed out they were saying essentially both got six months left on their contract um, and we thought maybe we could get them in cheap do you think we're going to regret that because Tierney's still not back in training we don't really know much about what's up with him I think it is probably as much a precaution and just it's all that dancing around in the fucking snow with no <laughs> I, I don't I know why this annoys rival fans so much. It's just, I mean, that's just I, what it cringes it. me a bit that the Arsenal account 
the first time I thought, fair enough, yeah, this is quite cool seeing the picture of everyone in their thermals. The eighth time we didn't need to see it, but <laughs> Chelsea fans in particular do seem to be weirdly riled up by the fact that Tierney was training his shorts. <laughs> they had too much to celebrate at the moment. <laughs> Arsenal now uh, level on points with Chelsea, we should say. But um... you won the snow derby. You won the snow day. <laughs> Two points behind Spurs as well. Can go again, can go ahead of them tomorrow. Another thing. Probably. Imagine if Tierney got hyperthermia. Maybe that's why he was up. If, if that was what it was, I would say, I would say fair play. <laughs> I can see why everyone is having such a big thing about this, but he's done his hip, apparently. He's, he's aggravated his hip again, which is why he was out for so long at Celtic. So I think they're just trying to be a bit uh, bit more careful about having him, Tierney, and uh, him, Saka, and Aubameyang all out again tomorrow. He's rough, so if they're on your fantasy team, I've warned you. Um. Kai Havertz at Chelsea, another one, um, not quite brought in on a deadline, but we reflected on it on deadline day, saying there's a player there, it's going to kick in. Not quite seeing it yet, but I think TK, you said he did actually look like a footballer against Wolves. So. No, I think Jack said that. I think I just no, laughed at him saying that. Uh, no. I th- I th- he's... Look. He hasn't started as well as I hoped he would. <laughs> that is the kindest um, thing anyone's ever said. Most expensive started quite in the like. summer. We, we, we saw him in flashes when kind of at the start, and then when he came back from COVID, it's like he'd never kicked a ball before. He's starting to look a little bit better now. I think if you... Funny enough, I found myself agreeing with Paul Merson, which is uh, <laughs> interesting to say the least, but he, he said a bit about habits where... He's a, like a 21-year-old lad that's come over to a different country, usually to settle in. Here we go. You'd have all your mates rounds, you'd have parties, you'd have just a bit of socials. He's come around, He's come over to the UK and just had lockdown after lockdown. He's had COVID himself. Like, he must be pretty unsettled at the moment. And to have COVID and rumours of long COVID, I think, fingers crossed, I think the system will probably get the best out of him because play a bit more through the middle which is exactly what he wants he doesn't want to be picking up the ball completely isolated with no support because when he's trying to fit in he doesn't have that flair yet to go past him so I'm hoping I'm really fucking hoping that he comes good but we haven't seen enough of it yet I don't think I've literally only heard long Covid referred to when it's been for Chelsea players St. Maximin was the other one who, who I think I've had it referred to before. Uh, well, um, I'm trying Liverpool. to get it going for money. <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool, signing, Liverpool linked to sign about nine centre-backs today. Looks like they're only going to get eight over the line. Splash in the cash here. So we, we've, we've gone to Preston. First of all, we've got Ben Davis coming in. Have they, got some, just, have they got some injured centre-backs, have they? <laughs> it's actually just been made official this second. Ben Davis joins Liverpool on a permanent deal from Preston. He probably should have known this was coming and started deleting his tweets because within about 10 minutes of the rumour becoming a reality, United fans had dug up his tweets of him <laughs> saying, uh, 
not even scouses like scouses and we all we all ate the reds and all sorts <laughs> oh wow <laughs> there's oh, that wow. other one that caban has signed and he's had a tweet yeah. dug up that says come on chelsea fuck liverpool from 2015. <laughs> <laughs> there's ones from james madison that he still hasn't deleted saying uh calling gareth bale a monkey and saying wilshire is much better than you and you know it <laughs> excellent well, well, not the fact that he hasn't Spurs, deleted them. He just Spurs lent into the Matt Doherty one, didn't they? Where he tweeted about him being an Arsenal fan and rather than tiptoe around it, they just kind of fronted it out. I like it. There's a good article on The Athletic that came out this week, actually, um, and they spoke to all the kind of social media guys at the Premier League clubs about the announcements and how everything's such a big thing these days and you need to get these numbers in. And they got the background story, which is very athletic, behind uh, Wanyama being announced with some spaghetti, if that interests you. Jesus. And the Pogba one that they announced with uh, Stormzy, which apparently came about. They were supposed to be just recording a couple of uh, clips of Pogba to get some gifts, and he just wouldn't stop dancing for about 20 minutes, so they kept rolling and were able to make the advert out of it that went on to announce Pogba to uh, United. So there you go. But Liverpool, two centre-backs over the line, it does look like today, TK. Um, ben Davis and is it Omar Kabak, is that how you uh, say his name? You tell me. I thought his first name was Ozan. It may well be. Um, <laughs> we'll go with it if you want. I've seen memes already with um, people saying Klopp thought he was buying a kebab, so that's how creative <laughs> oh, is today. Um, so yeah, you, you must be at least happy whether you've seen him or not that you are getting some centre backs in. It's a couple of bodies in there, I guess, and um. You'd feel cautiously optimistic if it wasn't for the fact that on the BBC article, I saw Mark Lawrenson talking about <laughs> Ben Davis, and he's referred to him as obviously a great move for him. I just can't see him getting near the first team. Matt Phillips <laughs> is coming to Dunbar, and he's probably a better player. <laughs> so, <laughs> this seems a kind of point of signing, then. But, uh, there we are. Well, I, I guess you're exactly gonna... saying you can't be too careful like when. Uh... Nat Phillips, if he hits some form, you might think he's just going to be injured as well. I mean, I don't know. Apparently, my Mark Lawrence is saying that like, he knows the guy. He's also saying he's not going to get in ahead of Hendo at centre back. <laughs> well, there was All that right. clip. There was that it's clip yesterday of well, shoots Wait. come in and the noise has oh, started. Oh, <laughs> sounds like someone's moving around in the kitchen. You absolute clown. Um. Yeah, Alex suspiciously going on mute. There was uh, the stuff yesterday, apparently, in the middle of the game. Milner shouting at Henderson, saying, you keep playing like this, you'll be a centre-back for the rest of your career. And then Klopp nicking it for his press conference after, saying, if he plays that well, I think he'll be centre-back for the rest of his career. <laughs> oh, I've had that done to me before. It's... What a guy, Milner, though. Shot to yeah, bits, agreed. but lovely guy. I guess we'll see how good these centre-backs are. The fact that Liverpool have agreed to the option to buy being 30 million either suggests 
they have no intention of paying it, so set it as high as you want. Or they do have faith in him, but maybe they'll see if this Sven Botman or someone else like that pops up for cheaper in the summer. Yeah, it seems to be, doesn't it? I wasn't, you know, I don't think any of us were expecting us to go too big with a sign in January because we don't, we don't know what the situation will be come the summer with our summer bikes. So you, you uh, went in for that Benfica one as well. Who apparently they rejected two bids. Um, so you, you clearly it was a case of we need a centre back rather than the Van Dyke situation where it was we need this centre back. Yeah, exactly. It was. Yeah, I don't think we're even trying to disguise the fact that. These aren't exactly planned transfers, are they? It's kind of thinking on the feet. Braga, it was, sorry, turned down two bids for uh, Karma. Um, and we were linked with that guy at Marseille. I don't, I'm not yeah. entirely sure how to say his name. But we were linked again, with can't say I know anything about most of these Calata guys. Car. Um, calls a celebration. Mustafi is finally out the door at Arsenal. <laughs> um, I've seen Edu getting some praise today, saying he's managed to shift. Ertzul, Kalasanac and Mustafi in one window. He didn't do a Liverpool and get about thirty million for them. He's literally just paid off their contracts. <laughs> so I'm not sure why he's getting any praise at all. He's done the very thing he could and probably should have done in the summer. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I mean about a quarter of a million off the wage bill and the players we've let go in this window. Um sorry, not a quarter, we've been about three quarters of a million off the wage bill, so but I'll be right, I think he's probably team. signed or committed some of these guys to these contracts as well. For sure. Um, <laughs> so he's only clearing I, up the mess he's made. Well, I spoke to Troy and I said, when you look at these players being paid off, you'd think this is a club that's starting to get back in the right direction and make some sensitive moves. And then you give a three-year deal to Williams. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Clearly not being too sensible just yet, but we mentioned Merson earlier and they did say to Paul Merson you think uh, Mustafi could move for uh, Schalke and he said yeah he'll, he'll do a great job of keeping their winning run alive so <laughs> there's your insight from uh, Big Merce he could also say that this centre-back bringing his losing mentality to Liverpool so there you go obviously that. fancy winning at Liverpool at uh, uh, Schalke <laughs> you see he said all that despite never actually watching play as well yeah <laughs> incredible he, he said, um, if they play Hoffenheim at the weekend, they get a draw. It's party time down there, I'm telling you. After he took about 30 seconds to think of a German team, I went, uh, Hoffenheim. And like, this guy's just going to come in the dressing room and everyone's just going to forget how to play something. Yeah. In Schalke's shoes, you've got to question the management there because you, you see usually at this stage of the season where you start to think we could be going down usually they don't want to commit because they don't want to be lumbered with these contracts where they go down a division. So paying Kalasanat's wages and playing Mustafi's wages seems rushed to me, but hey, we'll take it. Um, only a couple more. Uh, Fabio Silva came in right at the end of the window last time. Maybe <laughs> bit more pressure put on his shoulders straight away by the fact that Ra Jimenez has been injured but I don't think he's been poor he's not been he's not set the league alight and so it's probably what Wolves were expecting I guess doesn't look ready he, he just he does look like a kid doesn't he it's a bit too does. soon for him isn't it like Eddie yeah I'm uh, not sure Eddie's ever going to be ready though <laughs> 
he's one of them when you, you see all these stories down the years and it's like you know he was let go from such and such academy for being too small and Ketia was let go by Chelsea's academy for being too small it's like well maybe but well, so we'll the, one, the ones you see that are top players that end up saying oh they told us he was too small ones are the 0.1% the rest of them got let go of being too small and were too small I think we'll get a decent whack for him at some point but mainly because he's English more than his yeah, ability. Sure. Um, Deli Ali, the last point really I wanted to mention, not being allowed to let to go today because Spurs couldn't get in a replacement. Christian Eriksen was the one they wanted, um, a bit deja vu, but Inter wanted them to pay 100% of his 400 grand a week wages plus a loan fee. Can't imagine why they weren't able to get him out the door. <laughs> Levy having Alex, a heart attack. Alex, if you're in Levy's shoes, would you have paid that? Absolutely not. I thought I didn't think we were gonna get a knot at the end of that then. <laughs> <laughs> the other deals that we mentioned that we spoke about on the last podcast were Wesley Fofana, who obviously been great for Leicester. Jamie Radnap did say that within a few years he'll be the best centre-back in the world so he's not one to get ahead of himself I'm sure. <laughs> if any centre-back starts playing well he's like you know yeah. what he'll be Van Dijk in a couple of years trust me. Um, Nathan Aki who we did all say I'm not sure City's the place to go if you want regular football but the alternative was Bournemouth I suppose so can't blame the lad and then Ruben Diaz was the other who whether they had him in mind already when they signed Ake or maybe they weren't as impressed and thought we need someone else in so there we go anyone else anyone feels a mention before we uh, finish off today's episode with a bit of Super Bowl talk alright we'll uh, let you boys go then and uh, me shoot and uh, TK will uh, wrap us up cool catch you later guys yeah. Yeah. Boys. adios cheers try, try and hold your bladder Sean <laughs> Sean still there oh. yeah yeah <laughs> just ignored him did you waiting for you to go wasn't he I was, I was going to respond and then he left very quickly so that Coward. That sums, that sums up, doesn't it? He's the kind of person. Well, like you, you did, with, like you on. did with Keenan on Thursday. <laughs> he, he, said he said, "Cease, he said, your once," and Sean was at the door. <laughs> I was already leaving. <laughs> I've pressed the ring on Keenan. He will see if he answers. He, he has he. Well, well, he said he might. So I thought if I press ring, then uh, oh, I've right. done my bit there. He's been saying that Bruce Arians is his boy, so. <laughs> <laughs> I can actually, see him and Keenan getting on. He has actually <laughs> said that consistently. We 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 did um, the, the the first lockdown pods where I was doing the uh, Brady or Bill. If you had to root for one over the other, and he did say Brady because Bruce Arians is his boy. So <laughs> there we go. Class. All right. It looks like he's uh, not going to answer. If he wants to join, then. You can jump in uh, mid-conversation. 
Super Bowl this Sunday. Sean, I assume you'll be recording it and watching it Monday morning. And <laughs> <laughs> you just brought me on to slam me like that. <laughs> no, just true to form. That's not true. I've stayed up to watch more Super Bowls than I recorded. I well, only I recorded one big, because I had the interview. Big American Games, I meant. I had an interview the next day. I think the interview, you can, you can tell them, look, I'm committed, and that's why I stayed up. If you don't like that. <laughs> and I did very well for that one, because that was Patriots, uh, Falcons, and I did very well not to find out what actually happened. Bloody hell, yeah, Jesus. The game, the, the, the sleep in for game seven is the one I just can't get over. That, that's damning. That is damning. <sighs> it has an age well. <laughs> I mean, if I'd have known what was to come, I'd have stayed up. But... So, yeah, sure, some, some of the nostalgia you've missed out to start this podcast, I'll tell you, you'd have been in your element. Why, when, I tell you, when I tell you we were talking about that little simulator in Tempin. <laughs> what? The simulator in Tempin? Wow. That, that little lot of Black oh, band. right. Sorry, because I was thinking about bowling, but you mean the the thing that you got in it was like a roller? Yeah. Or... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, were the days. and me smashing you at air hockey, but nothing new there. I wouldn't say you smashed me. It was a couple did of you or did games. you not try and lose the puck in Paris? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't try to lose the puck. Hit it under an arcade machine. <laughs> Pocket in it. Plus, the Paris... The Paris uh, or whatever you want to call it are more favoured to your game. It's like Nadal. It's like Nadal on clay. If I get you on, if I get you on grass, I beat you. Yeah, I bet you. I bet you. Sean's favoured air hockey table would be the one where um, it's faltering on the way out and the air isn't coming through properly, so the puck just keeps sitting on the table and won't go properly. You've got to run around halfway through the table just to reach it. That's how he likes it. It's a hostile place to play. I like those kind of tables. Yeah, I'll tell you, look, if you can't play in these conditions, yeah. maybe you're not as good as you think you are. That's the equivalent of not cutting the grass, isn't it? Just let the grass go <laughs> nice and lost. Don't let him <laughs> yeah. play his game. All right, so the Super Bowl. As you've heard probably a hundred times this week already, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will become the first team to compete for a Super Bowl title in this home stadium. Um this Super Bowl will be the first to not be preceded by any of the usual kind of pre-game hype to ensure compliance with the COVID protocols. They're making sure the Chiefs stay at their home facility until no earlier than two days before the game. Um, I don't like that. Obviously, don't like be that there, of course. Bit. No media day. No uh, kind of daily swarming of the team hotels with uh, the media there. No conventional passes going in and around there for them to get involved in and the, the obligations. So very much almost like a build-up to a normal game, I guess. Except it's a Super Bowl. Kind of all right from our end, isn't it? In terms of we wouldn't be seeing that much of the build-up no. anyway, I guess. So not too different. I imagine it's probably not great from the Americans' point of view. Bearing in mind, that is their sort of day, isn't it? Get the someone event. put their foot in it before, and maybe they'll say something rash in the Super Bowl build-up. But it would have been worse if Mahomes or Brady catches COVID, and then we have a Super Bowl without one of them. Oh, could you yeah. imagine? Jesus! Before we even get into predictions, it's 
quite sickening, and this may reveal um, maybe the stand I'm taking. But I do think Sean is is rooting for the Bucks here. He's a, he's a Chiefs hater. I don't, I don't know, I don't know why. I don't know why he's he he did not see last year. Well, yeah, exactly why. He's got twelve months of bitterness. If I hated every team that beat the Packers, <laughs> it's not just the team. It's just not not just the who it beat. It's the way they would beat. It was sickening. And well, just, they beat you don't... by your quarterback not showing up. Hey, he he did. Well, he just didn't show up in the last quarter. He should have closed that deal. There, there are some issues, but but yeah. In, in short, I want the Bucks. I just don't. I just don't like the Chiefs. <laughs> I just don't like how Disgrace. inevitable they are. It's, all, it's, it's similar to why I don't like the Patriots. They're, they see, are the new Patriots. Yeah. See, my thing is, in a few years down the line, I could see myself in a position where I'm like, right, I'm a bit sick of these now. But as it is at the minute, they're still kind of the new kid in town, and they are fun to watch. The Patriots were very, obviously, well drilled, organised, a system. But other than the Falcons game, not overly always great to watch whereas there is a feeling like the Chiefs are sort of still gunslingers but they happen to be able to win as well yeah and you could also compare it maybe to the Warriors whereas they were obviously oh, really fun to watch don't say that because you're going to turn me you're going to turn me against the Chiefs you are right well, yeah they, they are, are going to be like that uh, yeah. and they're even they're even getting the, the Patriots decisions now those well, kind of things are coming through which we'll, is we'll see in this one Exactly. This is going to be like an immo- immovable object and there is a force <laughs> with Brady's decisions and the Chiefs' decisions. Having said so, that, if they lose this one, you've then got a situation where they're probably... They're not really like the Warriors and stuff because then there's the comeback story and all that rather than the Patriots and Warriors where you kind of in your mind follow like they just won every fucking time. Well, yeah. Not so, so, not so long, I'd, but... Go on, sure. I was going to say, so I take it from that, is that you're going for the Chiefs. Hey, look, we saw him at Wembley. We formed a bond there. It's just a shame you've not you've not <laughs> lived up to that. That was a very different Chiefs team to this one. But Sean's struggling that day as well. You want so justice maybe... for Alex Smith. <laughs> if you don't love me at my Alex Smith, you don't deserve me at my Patty Mahomes. I wasn't, I wasn't hugover on that Super Bowl. Oh, okay. I was fine on that explain one. some of it. Yeah. No, we're not talking about Super Bowl, we're talking about the trip to Wembley. I mean, that's what He I'm meant saying. that, didn't he? Yeah. You're sure? Yeah. I'm sure you've been out of sorts every time we've been to a game no, at Wembley. The, the Chiefs won. The Chiefs won, I wasn't. Um, I was, was quite only, excited was until we went We had to go into some uh, coffee shop as rammed as it is around there while well, Sean's telling me for 20 minutes how long over he is, as if he didn't know he was meeting me the next day. <laughs> <laughs> it was my birthday weekend, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, that was your birthday treat. Seeing me and going to Wembley. <laughs> Coming into this game, then the Chiefs have just snapped the Bills' eight-game winning streak. Um, you've just watched them go up and down the field on that Buffalo defense, stifle an MVP candidate in Josh Allen. So it does look like they've pulled it together at just the right moment. He's there was my, a... uh... Sorry, Carol. Yeah, you can go, you can go. I was about to say that was, there were there was a point where you thought they aren't going to miss a fucking throw it. <laughs> They're just going to score every <laughs> single play. And yeah, I was I was just going to say that Josh Allen's my tip for MVP next year. Christ, it's a good I'm thing. Gonna that... lump, 
Andrew Luck isn't isn't around <laughs> anymore. He is, although he might be coming back. After Philip Rivers retired, he could be coming back. My word. So if he does... No, uh, nobody needs that. <laughs> um, I feel like with the Chiefs, you, you can hate Barca down the years, but you can still enjoy watching them. And the Chiefs, no matter who they're against, I do still enjoy watching them. And I, I feel like Sean has to feel the same way. Well, hang on. No, let's, let's, let's take it back to last year then. If the Packers beat the Niners and get to the Super Bowl, I lose in the same way. I don't think you're feeling the same yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know what particular way it is that you're referring to. Just getting battered. <laughs> it's a, well, they weren't battered. <laughs> the it was a comeback. That's what hurt him. They weren't they... battered, were they? They were winning 24-10. I thought we had won. <laughs> I getting ready. To I didn't ever feel it's like... It's the home that kills. I didn't ever feel like the Chiefs were going to lose that game when you were watching that. Uh, you, you didn't ever that's think... Not true. That is not true. When they were 24-10 down in the fourth quarter, you thought they were going to lose. When when you've got a quarterback like Jimmy G and you've been told all these good things about him, yet Sean's telling you his best attribute is his eyes, that tells me something. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you, for all they say about a piece, look at at Jimmy G's... (laughs) I'm telling you, look at Jimmy G's Insta comments... Women are just as piggish as men, I'm telling you. <laughs> He's a piece of meat, isn't he? So I guess, you know what Brady's showing up with? He essentially seems to have his pick of just about every player in the NFL and say, you know what, come down to Tampa. You'll have a great time here. He has his little redemption arc that he dishes out. Um, the Chiefs' only real relevant loss as a... I've seen it referred to several times in the build-up to this. Um, was a 40-32 loss, which is the highest-scoring game against them this season. Do you not, The Bucks are probably one of the only teams that, in a shootout, can actually match the Chiefs. I'm going to touch wood as I say this. I don't see how it can be a boring Super Bowl. I'd rather it be a a, a boring a boring low scoring Super Bowl than a blowout. So if it has to be boring to, to have it entertaining well, you, in that fourth quarter. If we think back to that the Patriots Rams one, and when we watched that, we that wasn't actually that bad. Like, that was a good defense. It was obviously it low felt scoring. bad at the time. So maybe I maybe I can take back what I've literally just said because <laughs> <laughs> that felt bad. I, th- I thought it didn't feel bad at the time. Looking back on it now, when you see it, it looks bad. At the time, I didn't feel We'd been sport the year before, though. Yeah, that's the problem. You're right, it? yeah. That was complete opposite, almost complete opposite. But um, Yeah, well, the Chiefs lost it was the Raiders, wasn't it? That they lost to. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then the issue with the, the Chiefs is that both of their tackles are out. You've seen that? Both, that is, that is, that is concerning. Huge. When I saw him go down, um, I thought it was Kelsey down at first, and I thought, oh, God, no. <laughs> He's gone now. After seeing the Packers go out, I thought, we need anything that can happen to stop Brady winning this chip. <laughs> and I thought Kelsey had gone down. So I was slightly relieved See, there. But... See, why are, you against, why are you against Brady winning? Actually, I remember, actually, you said, after the Packers lost, you said, I hope they get stuffed in the Super Bowl now. 
So what, how is that any different to my hatred for the Chiefs with your hatred for the Bucks? Well, because if we go to what you said, the way we lost was actually horrendous. I don't know what you're referring to when you say the way we lost. <laughs> I'll, I'll freely admit, Brady hater. So that's that's where that's what my position. My hearing for how the well Patriots he played carries over to Brady. Three interceptions, and then <laughs> being told how well he played over Rogers. Honestly, I was I was going out of my mind. I was thinking, if you're his teammate, you'd be fuming. You've just watched him throw it up in the air three times in a row, and we've bailed you out, and he's getting all the credit. How is this <laughs> yeah. working? Honestly, that Jesse Pinkman, he can't keep getting away with this thing. Was legit. <laughs> just me kneeling down in the sitting room. He can't keep getting away with it. You look at most of the previews this week, and when it's like, how do the Bucks win? Most of them are essentially saying Brady needs to tighten up. Yeah, if, genuinely. Because you think if they can get to Mahomes, which they've got a better chance of now, he's just got to hold it together. He threw. Three interceptions against the Packers, as I've said. Twelve in the regular season. That that's the most for him since 2011. I mean, obviously, the Bucks overcame those mistakes on Sunday, but given the Chiefs' extra possessions, seems like a bad idea, no matter who you are. I saw someone say if they if he just gives up one pick, then they're done. Because they said you just can't give them any extra. Which I don't know if that was a bit of hyperbole, or they may well have a point. Well, as Sean's referenced, I mean, one of the key things about the Chiefs under Mahomes is that they've never been out of a game, no matter how terribly they seem to play. You kind of have a look at the score and then you have a little work out how many scores back they are. And then there's never a point where you feel you could turn the game off, like, well, that's, that's done. And particularly you'd say the same about there. Brady. Yeah. So there's... There's that element that made me think of why, again, such a word, it couldn't be a bad one. <laughs> the Bucks have scored 30 points, at least 30 points in each of their last six games. They're averaging 35 points a game. So, Jesus. They could quite literally just win a shootout with the Chiefs, which we'd all have to see, but I'm sure neither coach is going to hope is the case. Maybe they will. Like, <laughs> Maybe they will just boy Todd Bowles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, um, I think yeah. Well, they're going to have to go for. Well, it's the classic case of trying to get the ball and kill all the time, isn't it? Brady's going to have to do lots of short passes, stay in bounds, let Fournette do a few runs and kill as much time as they can while they have the ball, and obviously keep that the ball. Is out my Madden tactics to a T. <laughs> that quick oh, yeah. pass wide stick is well, Jesus I know how to defend that now though so you won't beat me again you, you, you've said this every time and yeah. no I haven't said that you've not beat me <laughs> since 2011 <laughs> and I hadn't not, played Madden that, that is absolutely not true <laughs> should, should when you look at the numbers should you be worried by that Chiefs D I mean you've said about the tackles being out They've ranked 20th in the NFL this year for defensive efficiency. 21st over the past three years since Mahomes became the starter. Part of that might be a bit of leniency in thinking, well, maybe we, we don't need to be that great on the other end when 
when he's there, maybe you don't stack it quite so much when you've got that there and you instead worry about protecting him. But that that's that's worrying, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. look, I mean, there's only so long you can get away with it as well. And they seem to kind of lean into the fact that we're never out of a game and stuff. So, I don't. It's a little bit like a football team, you know, when United kept coming back from like you know two goals down. Yeah. There's only so many times you want to do that because eventually it's not going to work out. But then they've so, got players who can make. They can still make big plays, can't they? They've got like Tyrone Matthew, uh, and then you've got Frank Clark. Yeah, I've got some players who can make like a big interception, even if the defense is playing poorly. They'll mm. get like one big play and then have a pick six or a massive interception return. So they've always got that there. And then obviously they have Mahomes to bail them out, like you said. So it's, that's a tricky thing. I want a, a Tyreek Hill run, whole pitch. Because <laughs> he is a joke. When you see him get moving... Yeah, it's lightning. Sean, nuts on the table. Who wins on Sunday? Taking the bucks against against what evidence would probably tell you and form will tell you. I just think that I can't back against Brady. I've just got a weird feeling that he is going to do it. As if it's close, I think he'll he'll do it. And then I think another issue is is those tackles. Worried about those tackles. I reckon Mahomes gets sacked a couple of times, maybe throws up a pick as well. So I'll go for the bucks. High scoring, low scoring? I'll go 28-24. TK, where are you going with this? Uh, I, look, I, I hope I'm wrong. But, and I don't know whether I'm a, becoming a superstitious man or what, but all roads seem to lead to Brady getting this. All the signs seem to be there. And I probably... Sh- done back in against him. I just the way that D could switch on in the Packers game and the, the fact that I think they're gonna be able to get to Mahomes is hugely concerning. And I think they can tighten up where the Chiefs do just have to go and gunsling with you and, and nine times out of ten obviously are gonna be better off the bet the team that comes out better off. But I'm going to go with the Bucks. I'm gonna say a high scoring game. I think both teams are going to get over thirty, I'm gonna say. But I do think the Bucks will, will get through. Well, and we've got to watch Brady lift that fucking trophy. I was going to go a similar way, but I won't make it three for three. The Chiefs are going to get this done. <laughs> and let me tell you, they're going to make it look easy. <laughs> easy. I would really I, like this take if you didn't just entirely undermine the credibility yeah. of it. I would really like it if you say it with your chest. Patrick Mahomes is going for over 400 yards, <laughs> zero interceptions, oh. two touchdowns for Kelsey, and an easy night's work. They may even take Mahomes off and say, you got a bang <laughs> to the end a couple of weeks back. Have a sit down. We'll call you back out if we need you. Yeah, I mean, you, you could see Brady's got you know, if he has a first half like he did against Atlanta, there's no way the Bucks are getting back into it again. Why has he said that? There is no way that could happen. I'll stop, wa- I'll stop watching the NFL if that happens. 
He's an MPOW, I tell you. <laughs> MPOW. So because I wouldn't want the Chiefs to win either. I wouldn't want either of them to win. In that situation, <laughs> I'd want it to be a draw. Somehow no one wins. <laughs> it seems a good excuse for Sean to just snooze during this Super Bowl. Just say, I didn't want either of them to win. I didn't want to see either of them win. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that might just about do us. Have, uh, I was just going to say, are you going to have any uh, little prop bets? What colour is the Gatorade going to be? <laughs> That's your kind of market. I peaked when I tipped Von Miller for MVP and didn't back it. <laughs> oh, oh. So horrible. That would have been decent odds as well. I think it was like 32 to 1 or something like that. Oh, Jesus. Oh. That was a vile Super Bowl as well. That was a truly vile Super Bowl. That was probably the worst one, I think, of our of our watching lifetime. Before before I got into um, NFL properly and it would just be stick it on for the Super Bowl, everyone I watched just seemed to look like a blowout or just be terrible. Yeah, I mean, the, the Seahawks versus Broncos one was just... <laughs> was it 43-8, was it? I mean... I remember Googling Ray Lewis and being shocked by what I saw. (laughs) 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 We've been lucky, if you think. You've got Pat Seahawks was obviously amazing. Patriots, Eagles. And then you've got... Patriots, Falcons. Yeah, we won't talk about last I I drifted off the... um, Seahawks year where they decided not to run it and woke up just as he threw the interception. It's oh wow! Up there with the most confused I've been after. As I always <laughs> say, Manny Pacquiao, Jeff Horn was something else. <laughs> Waking up and seeing Jeff Horn with his hand raised. <laughs> A PE teacher, an actual PE teacher in this case. Even worse after being on that uh, call center where it's shifting to the ten thirty shift, so falling asleep during the thing that you'd moved your shift to stay up for <laughs> and then still having to go into work late and work till half six peak times oh, that dreaded half ten half six shift mentioned a certain uh, overseer earlier he used to breathe that diet coke breath on you at about eight o'clock in the morning <laughs> can you give me a, a, a sounds like <laughs> I'm trying to remember what a surname is her first, her first name rhymes with uh, Jebby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was thinking, I was thinking possibly her one of the first ones. But I think that does just about do us. I mean, next Monday, we'll uh, come back on and do a kind of review. I mean, might do better for the topics if Brady wins. I mean, we can do us. <laughs> what about the people who performed greatest into their later years? But if he doesn't, we'll save that for a rainy day. So. Thank you again right. for listening to another edition of Spitballing Pod. TK, as Alex isn't here, I'll ask you. Movie Madness this week is Die Hard 3 against The Equalizer. Which do you prefer and have you seen The Equalizer? No, I haven't seen The Equalizer. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'll go with Die Hard. But I have heard, always heard good things about The Equalizer. So it sounds like we've got a good week here. Yeah, I think I'm going to watch Die Hard tonight. So there we go. 
Well, Thank I thought you again. Just, I just found out that it's Die Hard 3. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to watch Die Hard 2 last night. It's a good job I didn't. Good film, though, Die Hard 2. I saw some people yeah, making some rush yeah. statements before Christmas saying it was better than the first. Ooh. I mean, it's, it's a good film. Sean's favourite being Live Free or Die Hard is something that <laughs> I always struggle to get past. <laughs> the thingy from House of Cards in it. Who? Russo. He's in it. Oh, right. Uh, it's all about... Um, start forward, forward our, Justin Long. Yeah, our boy Justin Long. That's it, yeah. He needs an award name. Oh, boy, well. I'm more of a Jay Baruchel man. <laughs> We're talking Justin Long's really more white friend kids. of the pod. Huh? Justin Long's more a friend of the pod, though. Uh, yeah, maybe. Anyway, for the fourth time, again, <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> Goodbye.